And what's good, y'all? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on the last day of September, September 30th, the year 2020, to another episode of the Amatelic TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shields. Happy International Podcasting Day, as a matter of fact. Went on uh, my Twitter and Instagram pages and found on my feed that apparently today is uh, International Podcast Day. So I hope you are celebrating that day by listening to your favorite little sports talk podcast. But we got lots to discuss in this episode, recap the week three of the NFL, uh, NBA Finals is tonight, game one, Heat Lakers, I'll get to that a little bit later on in the program, and we got some baseball that I've been into the last couple of days uh, going on uh, as we speak, and we'll definitely get to the Major League Baseball, so we got all three of the major sports that's going to be topics of conversation in this episode, this midweek episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast. Let's uh let's go let's start out first with uh with the recap of the uh of five games that I that caught my eye this past weekend. Take a break. You know I got plenty plenty to say about my uh, Cincinnati Bengals and uh, I'll take a break, get to the Bengals and then we'll get on to some other things. Um first I mean first things first talk about the Atlanta Falcons, you know, who uh who uh, spit the bit uh, last who spit the bit last weekend, uh, blowing a lead on the road to the Dallas Cowboys, and boy, do these suckers not disappoint. They come home, they play a Chicago Bears team that, by by the grace of God, is two and zero, is undefeated heading into this game. Uh, beat the Giants and uh, and barely beat the Lions week one. Coming into Atlanta with you know two and zero. Falcons coming off of a major heartbreaking victory, or excuse me, a heartbreaking loss uh, against Dallas uh, against Dallas last week, and these and these bums come up in here play the Chicago Bears, who we all know has you know I mean they have Khalil Mack. Don't get me wrong, but it was gonna it was gonna take a uh, it was gonna take a miracle. For the Chicago Bears to make a to make a playoff run in a highly competitive NFC, and what do they do? Atlanta comes out, you know, Matt Ryan does his thing, and and the Bears can't get anything going on offense. Mitchell Trubisky is Mitchell Trubisky in the game, and they have a 26 to 10 lead. And just when you thought that the Atlanta Falcons were going to defeat their choking demons, once again, the Atlanta Falcons 
find yet another way to blow a football game. What an absolute disgrace. It all started when their kicker coup missed a 48-yard field goal early in the fourth quarter. Their offense in the fourth quarter couldn't get anything going. Matt Ryan was Matt Ryan was sacked. They had to settle for field goals. They couldn't score touchdowns. Matt Ryan was absolutely horrendous in the fourth quarter. I think he only completed two. I think he only completed two completions. He only had two completions in the entire fourth quarter. Was inaccurate, incomplete passes all over the place. Okay, Nick F- Mitch, uh, Matt Nagy benches Mitch Trubisky and puts in the Super Bowl 52 MVP and Nick Foles, who has made his living the last uh, couple, three years or so with late game heroics, comes in and do and does what he do- and does what he does best. Take a team that's essentially down for the count, brings them up, brushes them off, and by and by the miracle of his. Of of his clutchness and by the miracle of of uh, of the, of the uh, of the Holy Ghost comes back from the dead and they erase a twenty six a twenty six to ten deficit and win the game going away thirty thirty to sixteen with scoring twenty scoring twenty answered points of the game. I mean that that that's Nick Foles for you. Okay, that uh, on a fourth and six. On a fourth and six, the Falcons' defense, which is absolute—I mean, Dan Quinn's supposed to be some sort of a defensive genius. Well, where is this defensive genius? Where's the defensive genius when he choked in the Super Bowl? Of course, New England. I get it. It's Brady and Belichick. But my goodness gracious, twenty-eight to three. Put put the put the damn game away, will you please? Okay. And then they had a tremendous lead against Dallas last week, and Dallas couldn't do anything right offensively. Not to mention Mike McCarthy wasn't exactly uh, Jimmy Johnson as far as calling a game is concerned you know two fake punts on uh, on fourth down inside your own 40 yard line i mean please and i mean and then and then of course with the what an absolute disgrace ted gim was wide open on a fourth and six no one was within a 10 yard vicinity of him caught the pass on a fourth and six to, in the middle of the fourth, in the middle of the fourth quarter, to keep one of the uh, Chicago drives alive. Okay, they missed tackles when Robinson scored the touchdown late to make it a one possession game. The defense absolutely collapsed, collapsed all over themselves. Nick Foles in the game was tw- was thirteen for twenty two with one hundred twenty eight yards and a touchdown pass. Okay. They allowed, they allowed they allowed receiving they allowed Allen Robinson to catch ten balls for 123 receiving yards and a touchdown pass. I mean that is absolutely pathetic. Scoring 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. 20 unanswered points. Think about it. 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. How in God's name Dan Quinn still has a job, and I understand it's only week, it's after week three, and I understand it's early in the season, there's still plenty of football left to be played, and I understand that you really don't go anywhere when you fire a coach mid-season, but for the love of God, choke 28-3 against, against, the, against the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, which no one will ever, ever, ever forget. They bullied just last week. To the Dallas Cowboys, 
that had no business winning that football game. Turnovers in the first half. Mike McCarthy not be able to manage a game clock. You know, going for going for two. You know, with the with the you know going for two when it when it essentially doesn't mean it when he failed and it didn't mean anything because you fail you're still down to two possessions down nine points. Uh, the fake punt inside your own territory, Zeke and Dak fumbling over the football nine thousand times in the first half. I mean, they had no, the Falcons should have won that game nine million times over against the Cowboys last week. And what do they do with a? Let me read you the lead one more time: a twenty-six to ten lead, and you allow Nick Foles, who granted is a phenomenal quarterback in his late game heroics. But Nick Foles is not exact, you know, he's Nick Nick Foles is not a Tom Brady, okay? Let's be fair. Allows him to cut 26 to 10 and you allow the the Chicago Bears who are essentially a mediocre 79 8-8 team at best come into your stadium and put up 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. That is an absolute disgrace. The defense collapsed, and Matt Ryan, who needs to get we we kill the defense and we kill uh, Dan Quinn. We need to start killing Matt Ryan. Okay, this guy's sitting up here making more money than he should be making. You know, uh, 2016 NFL MVP, and, and 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 your offense with Ridley, with Ridley, and all the weapons that he has to work with, puts up puts up a big fat goose egg in the fourth quarter. 20 unanswered points, really. That drove me crazy. That's time number one. Item number two, Bills Rams. Bills, once again, like to do a little, speaking of 28-3, they took the 28-3 lead of their own against the Los Angeles Rams, uh, and they weren't exactly uh, in tip-top shape either in the game, and all I ever heard about is Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, who essentially did nothing until the fourth quarter. I know everyone likes to wax poetic like he's the second coming of Deacon Jones, and then that Rams defensive pass rush is essentially the... Uh, the fearsome foursome from the 60s, he essentially, he did nothing until the fourth quarter, and Josh Allen was 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 uh, was waxing him up. I mean, 24 for 33, 311 in passing yards and four touchdown passes, and allowed Cole Beasley to have six receptions for 100 yards receiving. I mean, my goodness, I mean, my goodness, and allowed 100, and allowed 100 yards rushing on the ground. Combined between Singletary, T.J. Yeldon, and uh, Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie, put up uh, a left oh, 101 yards rushing on the ground, and they and they took the lead of their own. Let the Rams come back in the game. Jared Goff finally decided to get his head on straight. Darnell head, head, excuse me, Henderson Jr. 20 carries, 114 rushing yards in the game. Cooper Cup had nine receptions for 107 receiving yards and a touchdown. And and it and Aaron Donald didn't create a sack and didn't start to wreak havoc until late in the fourth quarter. I understand the Rams. That again, that was a terrible defensive pass interference call. Again, one more time with the officials. When the game's close like that, keep do yourself a favor and keep yourself out of the game. But at the same time, I can't listen to the Rams fans complain because they got to Super Bowl because of a defensive pass interference penalty that wasn't called. So, although that should, although y'all should have won the game, the Bills had a commanding lead and it should never even been that close to begin with. So you have to understand that at seven number two. I'm number three. And Cowboys Seahawks. Listen, 
Okay, I'm gonna just cut to the chase. Russell, and that was a and again. I guarantee DK Metcalf would never, ever, ever on a football field do that again. Pull out Deshaun Jackson, what he did on a Monday night against the Cowboys back in 2008. Give up on the play, and a la, uh, and a la uh, Leon Lett and Don Beebe in Super Bowl 27, you know, have the ball out over the goal line, giving up on the play. I guarantee he'll never do that again as long as he's on a football field in an NFL uniform. But let me just cut to the chase, okay? I don't care about Dak, 37 for 57. He threw for nearly 500 yards passing. That's nonsense, okay? When you have Zeke Elliott sitting there and you pay him a fortune, you cannot, under any circumstances, allow Zeke to carry the ball 14 times for 34 yards average and two and a half yards to carry. That, with, with a guy that literally made a big stink last offseason, last summer, about getting paid and this, that, and the other. You cannot, under any circumstances, allow him 14 carries, 34 yards, averaging two and a half yards rushing. You can't, not when he's making the money that he's making, and allow Dak Prescott to throw the football damn near 60 times. You can't expect to win football games that way. This, and, and this Seattle defense, under no circumstances, is exactly the uh, the Legion of Boom from their Super Bowl days of 2013-2014. I understand that, but 14 yards on the ground ain't going to cut it. I'm sorry. It, it's 14 carries for Zeke ain't going to cut it. Not when he's making the amount of money that he's making and and uh, and went crazy last offseason, you know, with Jerry Jones and a, and a Cowboy organization holding out because he didn't get his money. Now he gets his money and he doesn't do a damn thing. That's downside. Seahawks side, Russell Wilson is a phenomenal talent. 27 for 40, 315 passing yards, and five touchdown passes. Let me read you the stat. Let me read you the stat right quick because this guy, Russell Wilson, is unbelievable. And I don't care. I could give a damn about what Patrick Mahomes does. I'm not interested, okay? When, when it comes, uh, I understand that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But uh, enough, okay? Can we stop? And, I'll, and I got a bone to pick with him in a minute. But I, I could care less about that stuff. Patrick, Russell Wilson has exactly, let me see if I can get you the stats right here. Russell Wilson has, let me see if I can get you these touchdown, uh, give you his stats right here because it's important. Russell Wilson in three games this season has 14 touchdown passes in three games. Let me, let me read you to that again. 14 touchdown passes in three games. And his defense is not exactly the Legion of Boom. And Chris Carson isn't exactly uh, Marshawn Lynch in the backfield either. And the wide receivers that he has to work with, I get it, DK Metcalf is a hell of a receiver. Tyler Lockett, I get that. But we, you and I both know that Tyler Lockett and Greg Olson does not hold a candle to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Let's call it like we see it. Russell Wilson needs to get the damn MVP award. And if he doesn't, we're gonna have a, I'm going to have a discrepancy. I understand Mahomes is great. I understand it. But when you have McCall Hardman, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey – no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes, but that's not exactly heavy lifting, okay? When Russ Wilson has to throw to uh, DK Metcalf, who cost who cost Seattle six points on the board with his bonehead asinine decision to give up on a play, 
Tyler Lockett, who isn't exactly uh, Steve Largent himself, and Greg Olson, who is who you know whose whose best days as a tight end are behind him, and he has Chris Carson in the backfield, who isn't exactly uh, Marshawn Lynch. Give, give Russ Wilson the damn MVP award and quit farting around. That's item number four. Item number five, and then I'll take to a break and get to my Bengals, of course. Okay, the, the Chiefs and Ravens Monday night game. For okay, for starters, that game under any circumstance did not lead to the hype whatsoever. That game was as stale, was as flat, was as dry, was as disappointing and as underwhelming of a football game as you're ever going to see. The Ravens absolute and unlike the unlike ESPN and unlike the Twitterverse and essentially the entire sports media that waxing poetic about Patrick Mahomes to the point where where, where, I, where I'm pulling my hair, I just can't take it anymore, okay? I, I understand Mahomes is great. I understand that he's a phenomenal talent and a phenomenal athlete. But Jesus, for the love of God, can we stop with the Patrick Mahomes? Please, please, I'm begging you. ESPN, all of you. I understand Mahomes is great, but can we quit? Excuse my excuse the uh, the uh, vulgar analogy, but can we quit riding Patrick Mahomes nonstop, please? Can we? Can we stop? Can we stop? Can we stop? I understand he is MVP, Super MVP, Super Bowl champion, and does things that are video game like. I understand that, but can we show some objectivity here and be honest and kill the Ravens, please? Can can we do that? I skipped over Packers and Saints, but since I'm on this diatribe, I might as well complete, and then I'll go back to the Packers and Saints. Seahawks-Cowboys was the third thing that was on my mind. But can we stop with the Mahomes, please? Can we stop? Can we stop? Can we stop? I understand he's a phenomenal talent, but for the love of God, Monday Night Football, it was all... I mean, to, to the point my father said, give me Jack, give me the remote, put this thing on me. I, I, I just can't take it anymore. My sister had a problem with watching the game. My brother, my father had a... All, it, so it's not just me talking. It's, it's the families I was watching the game with had a huge issue. Wouldn't shut up. Non-stop. Mahomes this, Mahomes that. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes' mother. This, really? See, we're trying to watch a football game. Do we really get... Quite, I, with all due respect, do we honestly give a damn whether Lewis Riddick refers to Patrick Mahomes as Pat or Patrick, and do we really have to take time out about Patrick Mahomes' mother tweeting during the No one get. Who I'm about to... No one gives a damn. Seriously. Like, in the, in the, in the, we're simply trying to, watch a, trying to watch a football game. No one in America gives a damn about what about Pat or Patrick. They're the same... Excuse my French. They're the same goddamn name. Okay, no one gives no one gives a crap about about Patrick Mahomes and whether his mother with Pat or Patrick. They're the same damn name. Move on. Holy crap! And enough of the Patrick Mahomes show, please. I've been get I've been beaten over the head with Patrick Mahomes since he won the Super Bowl. I understand the phenomenal talent, but holy crap! Can we can we mellow out a little bit, please? Please. I could give a crap about Patrick Mahomes and his stupid $500 million contract. Last time I checked, we're in the middle of a pandemic in the United States of America right now. It isn't exactly in the best shape as far as circumstances are if you catch my drift. 
we got civil unrest, racial injustice, and we had and, and the president of the United States isn't exactly uh isn't exactly uh George Washington either. So can we mail out a little bit? People are dying, people are hungry, people are sick. Okay, can we mail out with my homes, please? Five hundred million dollar contract? Who gives a damn? Okay, and I could and and, and can the ESPN and all the other uh, sports media outlets out there posted. I don't follow Mahomes on Twitter. I sure as hell don't follow his annoying fiance on Twitter and on Instagram for that matter. I, 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 I try to get, I try not to subject myself to Patrick Mahomes and the nonsense off with the off the field nonsense as much as I can. Can the people that run these ESPN accounts and these and these uh sports social media accounts can they quit beat me over the head every damn five seconds with Patrick with Patrick Mahomes is We don't give a crap about Patrick Mahomes' stupid engagement. I don't care. I don't care. My sister doesn't care watching the game. My brother, my father doesn't care watching the game. The Raven fan watching that game doesn't care. No one in America gives a damn about Patrick Mahomes' off-the-field life. I don't care. I do not care. Can we mellow out with the Patrick Mahomes stuff, please? It's, it's, it's sickening. It's enough. Please, enough. Patrick Mahomes' stupid girlfriend. Shut up! So we're trying to act like, yeah, well, so it literally had the chutzpah to sit up here and tweet, well, yeah, let's keep disrespect. We love it. We love the fact that we can. First of all, timeout. Who the hell is we? Okay, we, we, we ain't done a damn thing. It's Patrick that's reading the defenses, watching film, practicing. You ain't you. Last time I checked, ain't doing a goddamn thing. That's 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 part of the result that's on the field. What did the hell does we stuff come from? Please shut up. We we my ass. We you ain't done a damn. This shit be trying to make it sound like that. Patrick Mahomes is the most disrespected player in the NFL. Russell Wilson has fourteen freaking touchdown passes in the first three weeks of the season. Keeps his Seattle team that doesn't exactly have Vince Lombardi as their head coach with, with his play calling decisions. That essentially ever since they had to blow up the team and let Marshawn go, let Doug, Doug Ballman retire, Earl Tom, ever since they lost to New England, that team has essentially been riding on the shoulders of Russell Wilson's success and has not gotten one, one MVP vote. One. Patrick Mahomes got a Super Bowl MVP. He didn't even deserve it. Damian Williams deserved it. He scored the touchdown to take the lead, and he scored a touchdown to put the game that, that sealed the deal. He should have gotten a Super Bowl MVP. Because for three quarters, Patrick Mahomes was not exactly Patrick Mahomes. Let's call it like we see it. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes is disrespected. Brittany, do yourself a favor. Get the hell off of social media because nobody in America gives a crap about what you have to say. Nobody. I know you might think that, that there are people out there that care. Nobody cares. I don't care. My family watching Gantley doesn't care. And the Ravens fan that's that's uh, that's uh, gouging their eyes out watching that debacle doesn't care. Enough. 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 I could give a crap about Patrick Mahomes' money. I'm not interested. I could give a crap about his asinine engagement to a girl that everyone is, you know, that's reputed to be beautiful, like she's the second coming of of Cindy uh, Crawford and Farrah Fawcett put together. And I could, and I could certainly give two horse craps about Patrick Mahomes is going to be a father and that his fiance is expecting. Nobody gives a damn. Nobody.
Nobody. So stop with the stupid little cute little... This, uh, listen, if I want to read that crap, I'll watch CMZ. I'll pick up People Magazine. I'll, 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 I'll subscribe to BuzzFeed. I'll, 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 I'll watch Access Hollywood. I'll watch Entertainment Tonight if I want that nonsense. I'm a sports fan. I could give a damn about what child Patrick Mahomes is having and how much money he's making. When, when the world is upside down and 2020 has been the worst damn year in recent memory. Okay, so what if Patrick Mahomes is ha having a great year? Why the hell do I care? Can we mellow out with the Mahomes stuff, please? It's sickening, and I've had enough. I've I've I've, I've reached my breaking point with this. With everyone like acting like Patrick Mahomes is all of a sudden the prodigal son, like he's the greatest player to ever play the sport. Can we calm down, please? Calm it down, because eventually that it's going to be quite difficult when Andy Reid is in his uh, mid to late, uh, is in his 70s, and he's and he's sucking up all that salary cap. You know, you didn't see Brady sign the $500 million contract, and as of right now, Patrick Mahomes, all, as far as all time is concerned, ain't a patch on Tom Brady's ass. Let's call it like you see it. Tom Brady's got six Super Bowls and has been to nine. Patrick Mahomes has been has been in one, and all of a sudden we're crowning him as, as the new greatest of all time. Can we calm down, please? Can we calm down before we, before we give Patrick Mahomes a bust in Canton? Can we calm down, please? I've had enough with the commercials. I've had enough of him and this again with his fiance that uh, that nobody in America gives a crap about. She's toxic, obnoxious, and annoying as all hell. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And I could give a crap about him going to be a new father. Pre no, I could care less that he's sitting up here shacking, breaking one of the Ten Commandments with his fiance that isn't exactly, uh, you know, on the Maxime Hot 100. Let's clock like we see it. Can we stop, please? Can we stop? Hey, can we act? Stop acting like that. Anyone gives a crap? Uh, can we mellow out, please? Can we mellow out? And instead of praising Patrick Mahomes like like he cured coronavirus, can we instead get on the Ravens for an absolutely abysmal performance on Monday night? Abysmal. Lamar Jackson was. Let me read you this. Was 15 for 28 through for through for 97 passing yards. He was atrocious. Mark Andrews dropped every ball in sight. That that rate was pathetic. The defense, pathetic. Couldn't finish drives. Defense was picked apart to shreds. Patrick Queen was lit up like a Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center on Monday night. Lamar was pathetic. And I don't want to hear anyone sit here and tell me, well, it's not a big deal, it's just any other game. The Ravens cannot make it to Tampa if they can't beat the Chiefs. This game had a lot riding on it. Because if it comes down to home field advantage, because remember, with the new play with the expanded playoff teams, the one seed gets the buy and and gets gets the buy and home field advantage. The two seed now has to play wild card weekend. So this game can end up making a difference whether or not Baltimore is having a week off or they have to play a home game against 
you know, Pittsburgh, Tennessee or somebody like that. So I don't hear anyone sit up here and tell me that it's not a big deal, because it is. They were horrendous in that game. Horrendous. Lamar, I mean, and, and, and it goes to prove that the Ravens need that leader. They need that leader in that locker room that's going to give them that fire and brimstone speech when they're down. It's almost as if, like, when, when the game is going Lamar's way, he pretty much waves the white flag and admits defeat. You can't be a championship quarterback and, and be like that. You can't. When your opponent is punching you in the mouth early and often, you can't go in your little cocoon, curl up like a like an armadillo, and, and, and wave the white flag. You can't be a championship quarterback that way. Mahomes isn't like that. Brady isn't like that. You can't. You, you can't. You can. You can't. You can't win that way. You can't. And in moments like these are times when the Ravens needed a Terrell Suggs or Ray Lewis player within that locker room to fire up, to give them that heart and that fire and brimstone speech. And the Ravens clearly don't have that. I understand that that Lamar isn't that type of person, but he has to some. But he has to find something, dig down and dig deep, and find that dog that 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 that, that dog in him. That's like, you know what, I'm not going to get punked like this on national TV at home. Riot the troops together, look at the comeback. And he doesn't do it. He didn't do it in the Titan game, and he didn't do that in this game. In this game, the way they played, their offense their, their offense was flat, their defense was getting picked apart. It literally looked like an exact mirror of the Titan game. Except it was the quarterback picking them to shreds, not Derrick Henry. And the game was played on a Monday night instead of a Saturday night. And they were wearing black jerseys instead of purple jerseys. But can we get on the Ravens, please? Instead of waxing poetic like Patrick Mahomes is the prodigal son. Can we mellow out, please? And again, no one in America cares about his toxic, annoying, obnoxious girlfriend. That everyone makes that 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 ESPN everyone else try to makes it sound like that that she's uh, that she's a uh, you know Cindy Crawford reincarnated. Can we stop being instigating on Twitter and then and then when the social and then when the people on social media bite back and have a backbone and they ain't gonna tolerate any of her foolishness. Now all of a sudden she cries foul. Piss off. Give me a break. America could give a could could give a damn about a stupid baby too. They have to raise that bastard, not me. What is the rest of America? And if you think I'm wrong, think again. Because it ain't just me. All of America thinks that way. The majority of them that aren't Chiefs fans or aren't Mahomes fanboys. I understand he's a phenomenal talent. But can we calm down before we put Patrick Mahomes in the Hall of Fame? My God. Sunday night game, Packers and Saints. Packers defense was spotty. I mean, they allow I mean that that uh that um Alvin Kamara run 
was one of the best open field run. It was one of the best open field runs coming off of a screen pattern that you're ever going to see. Drew Brees threw for 200. How many? I ain't got to get my glasses. Threw for 288 uh, passing yards and three touchdown passes. Average about eight yards a pass. So, so Drew Brees definitely had a, a much better game than he did. Uh, than he did on uh, on last Monday night. Alvin Kamara had 13 receptions, 139 yards receiving, and and uh, scored two touchdown passes receiving. Ran for 58 yards on the ground. Um, so the so the Packers defense uh, gave up 30 points. So it was not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. But Aaron Rodgers, what a <laughs> that bad man. 31 for 30, 21 for 32, 283 passing yards and three touchdown passes. And Aaron and um, and uh, and Allen Lizard had a huge game with six receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown catch. But the deciding factor in that game was the Taysom Hill fumble, uh, which which essentially uh, was it was the was the difference in that football game. And Sean Payton, I understand he loves Taysom Hill, and he's a good little uh, and he's a good little. Uh, Swiss Army knife that he has in his repertoire, but he he's got to he's got to relax with the Taysom Hill. You got to relax because because then when you because and, and you know like Sunday night you sit up here and try to use him too much and he and he fouls up the game and he fumbles the football. So, and, and the Saints need Malcolm Michael Thomas back desperately too. They need him back. That that offense that offense is not the same without Michael Thomas. And if you're a defense, all you got to do to game plan against the Saints is take away Alvin Kamara, stop him on the gr- stop him on the ground, and don't and don't let him go crazy catching the football either. You essentially shut down Alvin Kamara. You make uh, you make the uh, you make receivers like you know you make Drew Brees throw to Emmanuel Samer- Sanders, uh, Traquan Smith, Jared Cook, and Deontay Harris more. That's your week three week recap. Come right back. I got plenty to say about my Bengals, who also pissed me off on Sunday with their tie against the Philadelphia Eagles. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelaki TIS podcast. Switching gears now to my uh, Cincinnati Bengals, who also had me pissed on uh, on Sunday. Uh, what an absolute! They tied uh, by the score of twenty-three to twenty-three. I'll get to all the 
details in a minute. But what an absolute. I mean, you want to talk about a game that really just left you speechless and left you just as equally angry at the same time. I mean, this our offensive line, I'm just coming. Our offensive line is 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 garbage. I'm I'm just come right out and say it. Tell like a TI is and just cut right through the chase, right to the chase. Our offensive line is garbage. Garbage. Joe Burrow was sacked eight times. Eight times on Sunday afternoon. He was hit 18 times and then he was decapitated in the first quarter. Our offensive line is an issue. And we cannot win football games if our offensive line is going to continue to jeopardize the health of our franchise quarterback every single time he drops back the pass. I, 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 I don't understand this. Why in the hell is our coaching staff keep putting out these group of human turnstiles to protect, and air quotes, Joe Burrow when they know good and damn well they can't protect them worth a squirrel fart. He nearly got killed in the first quarter. He got hit 18 times. 18 times. And got sacked 8 of those 18 times. That is a joke. That is a disgrace. We cannot win football games and expect to get better, put out these sack of bums that are called an offensive lineman to go out there and protect Burrow. It's the same thing that I told Brendan. And it's the same thing I told two episodes prior. Joe Burrow is your investment. He is your most valuable, your most prized asset. You protect it. You don't get a, you don't buy a million dollar mansion and don't protect it. You don't buy a nice sports car and not keep track of the oil changes. Don't keep the rims clean. Don't keep the inside of the car clean. Don't put it in the right right type of gas you're supposed to. Ignore the tire pressure. And expect that the car's just going to work like that. It doesn't work that way. You can't say, I want my kids to grow up and be, and be uh, healthy and to be well-rounded, this, that, and the other. When you don't take care of them. You don't bathe them. You don't, you don't feed them. You neglect them. But yet you magically expect the child to 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 be to grow into the ideal child. Healthy, whole nine yards. It doesn't work that way. You cannot skip steps. If you won and you drafted, give your credit, you drafted Joe Burrow, you bungled for Burrow, you got him, you protect him. I should not have to watch the game and look at the stat sheet and see that our number one overall pick, formerly Heisman Trophy winner and national champion, got hit 18 times in a single game. That's unacceptable. And expect to go out there and expect, and literally expect him to go out there by himself in most cases 
win the game, win it, win the game for us. When he's getting pounded into the grass every single time he drops back the pass. Doesn't work that way. You cannot expect to succeed in a National Football League without a good offensive line. Period. End of story. Not even up for a debate. Our offensive line is a liability. They flat out stink. They stink. And if we don't stop and invest in an offensive line, we, one more time, so you poops, that's Zach Taylor, that's Mike Brown, that's Katie Blackburn, all of us. One more time. If you do not protect Joseph Burrow, you will ruin him like the Indianapolis Colts ruined Andrew Luck. Again, one more freaking time. If you do not protect Burrow, you will run him into the ground like the Colts ran Andrew Luck into the ground. If you don't stop and fix this abomination that is this offensive line because they flat out can't block for crap. They stink. You can't sit up here and expect Burrow to win games for us to be Superman when he's got a thousand one, thousand two to throw the football. Can't work. Can't work. Can't work. Now on to the game itself. Listen. Burrow and AJ Green have to work on their on-field chemistry. They 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 might not ha- they don't have issues with each other, but some when I watch these games, there's just something with Burrow and AJ that just it's it, it's it's off. They're, they're not clicking the way they're supposed to. Now, whether it's the fact that Green missed some time in training camp because he had a hamstring injury, the fact that Burrow's a rookie, the fact that AJ is is having to learn on the go with Burrow and all, and at the same time trying to get his feet underneath him, coming off of you know playing you know playing in games for the first time in over a year, whatever the case might be, AJ Green and Burrow have to work. They have to have work on a, having a better connection. Because these two, because these two, for whatever the reason, they're not clicking. They're not. They're not in motion. Not in mo- Not uh, not in motion. They're not in sync the way they're supposed to be. They're not in sync. So I don't know what the issue is, but Burrow and AJ gotta work. Gotta work on work on their on-field chemistry. They gotta work on that connection. Because because if because if because if AJ Green is putting up. Because if AJ Green's putting up uh, five catches for 36 yards receiving every game, that ain't that's that's not going to cut it. When when AJ when Burrow's throwing to him more than 10 times a game, and 
and he's only and he's only catching a, a, a third of those passes. We can't we can't win we can't win football games when our at least should be our best offensive player as far as wide receiver is concerned ain't 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 performing. We can't we can't expect to win games like that. We can't. Now the Burrow Boyd connection is together, which I like. You know Boyd ten receptions, 126 yards. That that you like. That Bur- that uh, Burrow and uh, and and Tyler Boyd are in sync, but we need Burrow and AJ in sync. If Burrow and AJ aren't in sync, we're we're going to be in some trouble. Good that Burrow and Boyd are clicking. We need Burrow and AJ clicking. That's the first thing, game wise. Second thing, uh, as far as the last, we should have went. We should have. Uh, to the we blew that game nine thousand different ways. The the, the Bengals should have won that game handily. Their last offensive drive in the fourth quarter, it was holding penalties, it was checkdowns, it was ugh, it was ugh, it was it left a bad taste in your mouth. We should have put, we should have put the it, I think it was tw- it was twenty sixteen late in the fourth quarter, our last offensive drive of regulation. We should have put the we should have or it was about four it was about four three it was mid to late no it was late in the fourth quarter about three four minutes left in in the quarter our last offensive drive of uh, of the of uh, the fourth quarter we should have put the game away we straight up and down I'm not bull driving cut to the chase we should have put the game away. We had many opportunities to score a touchdown on that drive. Burrow should have, you know, Burrow and the offensive play calling should have been more aggressive to get that touchdown and to put the Eagles away instead of, you know, getting cute with the uh, with the checkdowns and the dump off pack passes off the back, out of the backfield. We should have put the game away. That game was there for us to put away, and we couldn't do it. We could not do it. We blew that game 9,000 different ways, and part of it because we kicked a field goal, making it 23-16, instead of, instead, of trying to, instead of getting a touchdown to put the game away outright, which we should have done instead of selling for a field goal. So we, we shouldn't have been asking. Once we got into the red zone, we shouldn't have been as conservative as, as we were. I understand you don't want to you know risk anything, turn the football over, but you know when you're up, when you're up by four, and the Eagles' backs are up against the wall, and you have a chance to get your first win of uh, get your first win of the season. In Burrow's case, first win of his NFL career, you got to put the game away. Case closed. Got to put the game away. We all, another chance that we blew that game was he kicked the field goal, and then Wentz essentially goes up and down the field on us and picks us apart. And our defense, who for the most part played out outside of that drive, you know, where they had Carson Wentz sacked five million different times, they somehow let him slip away. And as he's out of bounds, we make an us a, a bonehead ass nine decision to tackle him, uh, to tackle him out of bounds, to tackle him out of bounds, or essentially to throw him down on the ground on the uh, on the ground for a uh, for a bonehead ass nine fifteen yard. A bonehead ass line, fifteen yard penalty that uh, that uh, that ended us that ended up costing us some points. So I mean I don't so I mean I don't understand the point of uh, I it was it was just dumb. It was dumb. It was stupid. And and con and then you call a timeout at the end of the half 
to leave uh, leave to leave the Eagles receiver wide open down the right uh, down the right sideline to so the Eagles score a touchdown right before the half, which we did need. So and the, those the, those two the unnecessary roughness that led to the Eagles' first score and then coming out of the timeout and allowing the Eagles to score going into the half bothered me. And the third thing that bothered me defensive-wise, outside of those two, they played pretty they played pretty well for the most part. Got the Wentz, and I get I get yeah, they played a little better today than they did against Cleveland. But the defense absolutely fell apart in that last drive in the fourth quarter. Penalties, pass interference, they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't keep their hands on Wentz, they had Wentz, you know, all you got to do is just wrap him up, drag him down to the ground for the sack, they couldn't do it, you know, they allowed Ertz to make to make plays to keep drives alive, to keep the Eagles marching down the field, and on that last play, and on and then on that uh, Wentz game-tying touchdown, they had everybody covered and no one bothered or thought about the idea that Carson Wentz, you know, when he has to, can make plays with his legs, hell, that's how he tore his ACL trying to make a play with his legs. And, and he didn't have a spy on him when Wentz scored the game-tying touchdown late in the fourth quarter. And then when we got the ball back with 21 seconds left, touchback come out to the 20-yard line, I'm not going to scream and yell about it, but me personally, I would have been a little I would have been a little aggressive and say, you know what, quit falling around the overtime period. Let's see if we can, if we can steal this game from Philadelphia because the game should have been ours to win to begin with. Game's tied, 23 apiece. 21 seconds left, 80 yards. All you, you need, all you needed was a field goal. So it wasn't like you had to go down all the way the whole 80 yards to score a touchdown. You had, you cut that, you had to drive down a field of what? About 50, 55, 60 yards. 21 seconds left for timeout, 20 yard line. Not, not impossible. Me personally, I wouldn't have kneeled for it and waved the flag for overtime. I personally would have been more aggressive and would have taken a chance, would have at least one time took a chance downfield to see if you could put together a game winning drive to put Bullock in a chance to kick a game winning field goal. That's just me. Uh, and then again, left many a points on the board, many a times, not just on that last offensive drive late in the fourth quarter, but chances before that early in the game, we should have put the game away. We should have not necessarily put the game away, but we should have scored many a touchdowns and we didn't. And that, and he again, left many a points, left many a touchdowns on the board and we should, and we should have just won that game. We just should have won that game. And, and, and I was annoyed. So annoyed and so disgusted with our performance on on Sunday that if I would have get that if I would have been in, behind the microphone after the game I would have had a couple of choice words for quite a few people but days have passed I've calmed down I've you know I've relaxed put everything into perspective we still should have won that game I'm still annoyed by that but that was the game that we should have won we should have won and we blew it nine million different ways this week we played the Jaguars. Uh, great opportunity. We come home, get our first win of the season. Jaguars get absolutely spanked by Ryan Fitzpatrick last Thursday night. Um, we play the Jaguars, and we got to play the Ravens, which I'm sure will will be a uh, a day of absolute uh, hell. So it's best that we improve the one and two, get a win, get a little bit of confidence, and maybe by the by the uh, by a stroke by a uh, strike of God. Uh, in an act of God, we can we can do the impossible and uh, and upset the and upset the Ravens. Come week five, take a break. NBA Finals and some basketball news as regarding Doc Rivers. This is the Amatelic TIS podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this.
worldwide to infinity. <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We gon' boogie, hoogie, hoogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance <laughs> like the roof on fire. We gon' drink drinks and take shots until we fall out like the roof on fire. Now, baby, give a booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell her, tell her, baby, 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 Yeah, the Miami Heat taking on the Los Angeles Lakers in the 2020 NBA Finals. Welcome back to the Umtelek TIS podcast. Switching gears now from the gridiron to the hardwood. We'll touch on baseball to end out the program, but in this segment, it's all about the NBA and uh, and the NBA Finals. Game one is tonight, Heat-Lakers we all know who the favorites are. The Miami Heat are favorite in this series. Um, just to give you, uh, what a, first of all, it seems like the NBA season is going on forever. I mean, by the time Game Seven is going to be October twelfth, which will be my little sister's little sister Zoe's fifteenth uh, birthday. So if we if the if the Miami Heat actually. Uh, Show if the Miami Heat show some grit, uh, and uh, you know they've bet uh, every single one of these series that they've they've played for, with an advantage. You know against uh, against Boston they had an adv- you know they had a series advantage. Milwaukee they had a series advantage the first round. Uh, who did they play in the first round? They had um, who did they play in the first round? Was it I don't want to think. Was it was it Orlando? Or was it? It was Indiana. 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 They. Indiana. They. They swept Indiana four games outright. Uh, you know they had a. Uh, they had a. They had the lead. They. They played impeccable basketball up until that game where Giannis got hurt and Chris Middleton carried. Uh, carried uh, the Bucks on that Sunday prior to Labor Day, and then they. Uh, and they came out right and they took a, a two games to one lead against the Celtics. Lost, uh, you know, and then came back, beat the Celtics, fought it around last Friday night, and then took care of business against the Celtics on uh, on uh, Sunday night, winning one twenty five to one thirteen. Uh, so they, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the Lakers. They've lost, you know, they've lost every, uh, they've lost every. They lost. Uh, let's see, first round they lost to Portland. And then they lost to uh, they lost to the first, game one against Portland and never lost again, and then they lost game one to Houston and never lost and never lost that game again, and then they uh, they won game one against the Nuggets, lost game three because uh, Jamal Murray did what Jamal Murray does, and they took care of business this past weekend against the Nuggets to win that series. So uh, so essentially so the so the Heat or excuse me the Lakers at least. Have a little bit of a feel, you know. If they lose, you know, if the Lakers lose tonight, and Jimmy Butler goes off, LeBron James, you know, plays the facilitated role instead of putting up points, and uh, and Anthony Davis is spotty, you know, the Lake, the Lakers, uh, the Lakers, you know, they'll be like, hey, we lost game one to, we lost game one to Houston, and we lost game one to Portland, you know. So the Heat, so the Lakers won't panic if the Heat lose game one. It'll be interesting to see. They've only lost. 
They've lost. They what? How many? They've lost. I just gave it to you. I should uh, be able to recall that. That, but the uh, but the Heat have lost. They lost. They didn't lose. They swept the Pacers. They lost one. Ga- they lost one game to. Uh, they lost one game to uh, to the Bucks, and then they and then they lost two games, or they lost two games to uh, to the to the Celtics. So they've on, so you know you sweep sweep that's no losses one loss to the one loss to the Bucks and then they lost two times to uh, to the Celtics so you do the math of course that's simple easy kindergarten math they've lost three games this entire uh, this entire NBA po- this entire NBA postseason so and they and when they have lost games in this postseason they've been ahead in the series when they've done so so it'll be interesting to see that if you know if uh, if LeBron comes out and uh, punches the Heat in the mouth uh, proverbially speaking can the Heat get off the deck heading into game two on Friday night and take care of business and, uh, and, and scratch and claw and fight tooth and nail to take the Lakers to, to October the 12th to win an NBA championship. You know, because all the losses that the Heat have lost in these playoffs, in, in this bubble, they've had, they've had the advantage of having a lead in the series. If they lose game one, you know, the Heat, the heat could either be gone in four or it could be gone in five. But what I'd like to see from the Heat is if they lose Game One tonight, can they get off the deck, go into Friday night, and uh, and fight back and make the series one-one? Or will LeBron and AD dominate and take a two-zero series lead, heading head, head, excuse me heading into the weekend? That will be very interesting to see. If the Lakers lose Game One, eh, they lost Game One to Portland and they lost Game One to uh, to the Rockets. Granted, the Heat have been riding on tremendous momentum. And you know, and they essentially, and they essentially, when they, when they, uh, when they know that they have their opponents down for the count, they don't look back. You know, they took the night off on Friday night, but they don't look back. But if you're the Lakers, you're like, hey, we lost the game one to Portland, we lost the game one to Houston. It'd be interesting to see if the Heat lose game one, how they, re- how they will react heading into game two. But this will be a, uh, this will be a very interesting and very interesting series. Um, he, this, of course, uh, the storylines would be off the charts had not this, uh, had this series been played in mid, in, uh, mid June outside of the bubble, inside of inside of the bubble in late September, heading into the month of, uh, heading into the month of, uh, October, you know, it would have been my, it would have been, uh, LeBron returning, you know, competing for an NBA championship, uh, in, in one of his former cities in Miami, and then of course you would have had, uh, and of course you would have had Laker great Pat Riley won a championship with him as a player in the '70s, and of course coached uh, Coach Magic and Kareem in the '80s as a head coach for the Lake, head coach for the Lakers uh, all those uh, years ago. So you would have had the Pat Riley, and you would have had the LeBron story of you know the the disconnect of 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 LeBron leaving Miami to go back to Cleveland. Uh, Pat Riley, of course, being a former Laker player and coach, winning, uh, attributing to many a championships 
uh, with the Lakers back in the 70s and the 80s, and of course, LeBron making his return to Miami in the Miami crowd playing in NBA Finals. That's the only, I, I wish we weren't in the bubble and at times were normal, among other things, but this being another one of those reasons why, because I would have loved to have seen the reception that LeBron would have gotten in uh, in Miami playing for the NBA championship as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. And, of course, Pat Riley, of course, with his deal, the Heat executive, former Los Angeles Laker player and uh, and coach. And, ima- and, and, and imagine if, uh, and, and imagine if, you know, things were normal. I, I tell you, and Stephen A. Smith made a point earlier, I believe, he put that on one of his, you know, his segment on First Take Stevens A list. One of his wishes for Christmas is that you get a that you is that is that uh, would have gotten a Miami and L.A. final because Stephen A. You know who he loves New York and loves New York City, but boy would he would have loved to have been on uh, you know bouncing around South Beach and in turn L.A. Uh, you know, for the NBA Finals in late May, early June. I mean, you want to talk about paradise. NBA NBA Finals basketball into one of the greatest uh, warm weather climates, the two greatest summer locations in in the history of our country in L.A. and Miami. I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better than those two locations in June. <laughs> Heat, Heat Lakers. It does not. It does not get any better than that. But instead, we're in the bubble, and we are, and we are in the confines of, or at least the players are in the confines of uh, of the of the ESPN Wild World of Sports down in uh, down in Orlando, Florida. But it would have been nice to see uh, if times were normal to see these two teams duke it out in uh, in the Staples Center and at American Airlines. Boy, it would it would have been fantastic. I mean, it would oh, it would have been it would have been nice. Would have been nice. Second news that we got and for serious prediction before I get to Doc Rivers. Huh. You know what? Because it almost seems like it's meant to be with Kobe and everything else and and you know, the Lakers haven't won a championship in 10 years, which for a historic franchise like that is eons. And I go through a rough patch of uh, of pathetic Laker basketball. I will say the Lakers will win this game in six games. So there's your uh, NBA Finals prediction. Last item of business to get to is Doc Rivers, who shockingly the other day was let go by uh, by the um, by the Los Angeles Lakers, who blew a three one lead, who blew a three one lead of their own a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, to, to, uh, damn, I'm having a brain fart here. To, um, to the De- to the Denver Nuggets in their in their uh, Western Conference semifinal series. They let go of Doc Rivers. You can make the argument that, uh, yeah, honestly, it, I, I I understand why I understand why they uh, why they let him go, you know, blow a 3-1 lead, never been to a conference finals ever in their history, no championships, want to send a message. And at the same time, you know, Kyrie and and Paul George who both in their own who both in their own right at different moments and some at the same time were pathetic in uh in that Denver Nuggets series when they had it when there were many a chances for them to put the series and to put games away and they couldn't do it. 
So I'm, I'm kind of split down the middle. I understand why they did it, and I also understand the people that say, well, Doc Rivers got the raw deal and got the short end of the stick with being fired. Uh, when it was the players on the court, you know, the guys that they essentially moved heaven and earth to get, and they and they couldn't get the job done against a young, young and inexperienced uh, Denver Nuggets team. So that's your NBA uh, and it'll be interesting to see where Doc Rivers ends up. There's sources right now talk out and about that Doc Rivers and the 76ers to discuss a, uh, a gig out in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, of course, they go off Brett Brown after another early playoff exit when they lost to the Boston Celtics back in uh, early August. So that's your NBA. Take a break. We got some baseball to talk about. Haven't talked about baseball in a long, long time. We'll talk some baseball coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Last order business to get to before we get on up out of here, and that's playoff baseball. That's right. It snuck up on you, but it's here. Playoff baseball, 60 game, and will be regular season is over, which uh, in the last month of the regular season was like I completely ignored it. I got to be honest with you. When you got in, playoff basketball and uh, the start of the new football season. And it's hard, kind of, and, and your baseball team is your ball, and your favorite baseball team is the Baltimore Orioles. It's kind of hard for you to get into, uh, you know, the uh, the dry MLB regular season down the home stretch, especially when there's no fans in the ballpark. Um, but the way that they've had this postseason with 16 teams, which is too many, I gotta agree. I gotta, I gotta say, 16 teams is way, way, way too many. You know, they. I like the format the way it is. The only difference I'd make is just have a wild card series, best of three, the way they have it this year instead of the wild card game. But I'd keep the same amount of teams in the postseason that they've had in previous years. The two wild card teams have them play best of three, knock each other's out, and then uh, and then go ahead and and they and the winner advances to the highest ranked seed of each of each uh, of each league. Uh, then that's the way I would do it. But I mean, I gotta tell you, eight game. They had games. They had ga- They had a game one o'clock yesterday. They had. Uh, they had a game at one o'clock. Let me see. They had a game at one o'clock. No, two o'clock. Two o'clock. Five o'clock. Seven o'clock. I think. Uh, yeah, that might have, three or four games that were on yesterday. The last game of the night was Yankees and uh, Yankees and Indians, in which the Yankees absolutely beat the brakes off of the Indians and. And you know, it wasn't the out of all it wasn't the it wasn't the only dumpster fire that was in the city of Cleveland, Ohio last night. I can tell you that right now. But today you got eight games on, 
Cincinnati and Atlanta came on first at uh, at noon Eastern time. That game, as I'm talking, has the basis juice top of the 13th inning. Still nothing, nothing between Cincinnati that we that found the way into the playoffs going up against the Atlanta Braves who won their division. Uh, top of the ninth, Minnesota, who never does a freaking thing in the postseason. I think they've lost about seven. I think if I stand correct, they've lost 17. They've lost 17 postseason games in a row. Uh, they've lost. They lost, and they haven't won a postseason series since the day Rodney Dangerfield passed away. If you can believe that, all the you know your and yours truly was in uh, you know was a was a baby, was a that was a baby. The last time the uh, the uh, Minnesota Twins have won a playoff game, they've lost 17 straight playoff games in a row. And are in danger or three outs away, middle of the ninth. Astros up three one, and they are in danger of losing a uh, of losing a uh, of losing an eighteenth and getting eliminated once again. Minnesota Twins, you know, and they got and you would think that they get that they that they would find a way to get it done, and they would have uh, and they'd have you know they'd have an advantage considering the fact they don't have to go up against the Yankees. This is a team that won the division at uh, at. 20 did they win the division I think I believe so one that went 36 and 24 and went 24 and 7 at home and are about to lose back-to-back games at at home to a Houston Astros team that was you know dead man walking the listen to their record away from uh from Minute Maid 9 and 23 on the road at Minute Maid and one and had and went 29 and 31 in the regular season then were essentially were dead man walking were absolutely pathetic this past regular season and they come in there with a little something to prove with the cheating and nonsense and everything else and the Minnesota Twins who despite all of their uh despite all of their their uh their flash and their fervor and Nelson Cruz and Rosario and all the noise that they make in the regular season. They won over 100 games last year and still didn't do a damn thing in the postseason. They went 30. They go 36 and 24, one of the best records in the American League at home, going up against one of the worst records in the American League this past 2020 season. And the Astros, who went one more time 9 and 23 on the road, and are in danger of losing their 18th playoff game in a row, and and on the verge of getting swept right out of before we even get into the month of October, uh, with the with the Astros with a three to one lead. Uh, and then of course you have Chicago. You have the White Sox. Lucas Giolito had a perfect game going till about the sixth inning, who was absolutely lights out. And then Oakland A's again, another baseball team that never does a freaking thing in the postseason. They're up five or nothing right now, bottom of the fourth. Uh, so we'll see if Oakland can hang on to uh, to force a game three. But Oakland is another team along with the Minnesota Twins. They've won one playoff series since Billy Bean and his great Moneyball uh, fame. They've never done a freaking thing in the postseason either. Chicago is their first time making the postseason in about what twelve years. Haven't won a championship in fifteen years, and they uh, and they you know let's see if they can hold on here in game two. But they got absolutely punched in the mouth in game one by Lucas Giolito, and uh, and the White Sox and couldn't hit a broadside of a barn uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, the the Tampa Bay is up already one nothing on the uh, on the Toronto Blue Jays to America to uh, and this is the only and this out of all the playoff series this is the only series where the two opponents feature uh, two teams within the same division. Of course, the Yankees uh, 
are in the postseason out of the AL East. The other two teams that made the postseason out of the AL East, the Red Sox and Orioles, did not. But the Rays, who won that, who won the division, going up against the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto won last night, uh, and they're up one nothing, top of the second against uh, against Toronto, down at the Trop in uh, Saint Petersburg. And uh, and of course, I mentioned Yankees Indians. Uh, Yankees Indians last night. Uh, St. Louis, San Diego, uh, at the time of recording this, is still yet to play game one. And, of course, uh, Brewers and Dodgers is going to go up against game one. The L.A. sports fan, I mean, it's you either have to – I mean, the only one the only one that gets a break is, uh, is, the, is, the, is the L.A. Uh, – is the L.A. baseball – you know, the Dodger fan that doesn't care for either the Lakers or doesn't care for uh, the sport of basketball, they get a break – or the basketball fan that loves the Lakers but could care less about the Dodgers in a postseason series. The the L.A. sports fan that loves, you know, those are the two most popular pro sports teams in that city are the Dodgers and the uh, and the and the Lakers, the Rams, Chargers, the Clippers, and the and the Angels. Uh-uh. It's the uh, and the Dodgers and the Lakers reign supreme as far as L.A. sports is concerned in that town. If you're a fan and you love both teams equally, uh, boy, you're going to have a night flipping between ESPN and ABC. The Laker game starts first at nine o'clock. And uh, it'll be close to it'll be about ha- it'll be close around halftime when a uh, first pitch of uh, of Milwaukee and the Dodgers best of three in the National League Wild Card Series at Dodger Stadium. So you got yourself all the baseball regular season, no fans, especially when you have football and playoff basketball. Eh, hard to get hard hard to get into. I got to be honest, especially when your team stinks as does mine, but. Hey, eight games all day long. First game starting at noon. Last game starting at ten at night. A la the NCAA tournament, which is a field that we didn't have because uh, because of uh, coronavirus. Glad I got it. I got to tell you, it's just uh, you know when you, when your week when your weekday sports lineup consists of uh, outside of the Monday night game, which was a dud. And Thursday night game, which which is unwatchable, Broncos and Jets. Uh-uh. Uh, but when you're outside of outside of the football, which are very disappointing, the Monday night game was, and the Thursday night game would be unwatchable. I tell you, you, you're in good shape when you have playoff baseball, you have postseason baseball, and you have uh, and you got the NBA Finals with LeBron with uh, with LeBron in the mix. You're in good shape as a sports fan. Early fall. It went through all that time in the spring and summer with nothing, with no sports on, and now all of a sudden you got playoff baseball and the NBA Finals in the month of October <laughs> during 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 the week, and then of course you have your NFL football and college football if you care on the weekends. That's, that's that. Yeah, I admit that's uh, that's pretty damn good, pretty good. But that is your episode. Of another edition of the Antelica TIS podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter at and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it TIS. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel it uh, underscore podcast. Happy International Podcast Day, everybody. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Talk to you this weekend. See you. Be sure to get out there, get registered to vote. I'll talk to you later. Take care.